Picture this with me. You've gone to a conference or you've read this amazing book or you've found a great curriculum or you've heard about this awesome event from another youth pastor or even from a podcast and you're so excited to put it into practice, but then it fails. What happened? More than likely, you didn't contextualize the idea for your ministry. So that's exactly what we're going to talk about on this episode of Student Ministry Connection. Welcome to Student Ministry Connection, a podcast for those who serve in student ministry, want to connect, and desire to grow. My name is Steve Cullum, and in my 20-plus years of serving in the world of student ministry, I have been in this situation so many times. It's so easy to get caught up in this great idea, but then have it flop. So how do we make sure to contextualize or adapt ideas well and not just plug and play an idea from another church, curriculum, book, or even something you hear on a podcast. So to help us talk about that, I brought on veteran youth leader Brooklyn Lindsay. She's got a ton of experience in so many different contexts, and she's even helped a lot of youth leaders across the country, but also internationally. So she knows a thing or two about adapting for context. But before we jump into that conversation, let's pause and thank the sponsor of this episode. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see everyday life situations through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everyone as well, with three plans to choose from. This curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you do better. Do you need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just $20 a month. If you're looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides, that's $30 a month. And if you want an affordable engaging video curriculum, G-Shades has you covered for only $40 a month. You will not find a better youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere. Head over to gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G to download season four of G-Shades curriculum and use the promo code CONNECTION at checkout to receive an extra $20 off your order. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Thank you, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. You can find the link to G-Shades in the podcast show notes. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Brooklyn. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. It has been on my mind for a long time to get you on the podcast. And it's like, it's just time to make it happen. So (laughs) glad to have you on here. I've known about you and your ministry for a while now. And I know many of our listeners probably have heard about you. You've had a long time ministry. You've written several books as well. But for those that maybe don't know a little bit about you or would like to know more about you, could you share your testimony and how you got started in ministry? Yeah, my experience in youth ministry started as a teenager in youth ministry. I think that's the story many of us have, honestly. We had such a good experience in youth ministry that we wanted to continue beyond our our graduation. So that wasn't my story. I had a very broken family upbringing. And when I got involved in a youth group, I just had a different, a different experience of what family and community felt like. And I was like, wow, I really... I didn't know this type of feeling could exist and wanted to give back to that. Once I started learning about God and how to grow closer to God and about who Jesus was, I just felt very 
attracted to places where those things happened. So mm-hmm. I went to college and didn't major in ministry because I didn't know you could do that. I literally mm-hmm. knew nothing. I wanted to be like a journalism major, but didn't know how to do that at a college that didn't offer journalism. <laughs> I went to a college that I could afford and I got a, a volleyball scholarship. So it wasn't like I got to choose my major really. Mm-hmm. So I chose sociology thinking maybe that will help me in youth ministry someday. Mm-hmm. And did that, ended up getting married pretty young, and then we transferred to a Christian university where they did have a degree that was focused on ministry. So I got a degree in Christian education and curriculum design, and I didn't even know what curriculum was. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting that even back then, my life was on this little bit of a trajectory, so to speak to become a writer and a content developer for the youth ministry world. But in the in-between time, I fell in love with youth ministry. My very first job out of college was at a little church in Central Florida, and it was very diverse, urban-rural mix. I learned so much, but also was hurt so much, and that kind of began the washing machine of churches that I went through for about six years. And then when I landed in Lakeland, Florida in 2007, I became a a middle school pastor specifically. And that is when I just started to flourish. And it was just like kind of that sweet spot, about eight years of like really incredible building ministry sustainably and really understanding what it, it could look like and be like. And then that in turn like led to some opportunities to do youth ministry globally and to mobilize youth around the world. And then we kind of spiraled off into church planning, and now I'm a full-time volunteer youth pastor at our church. Wow. It's a completely different experience. So I would say I've learned a lot and unlearned a lot, and I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah. I know things, but I'm having to learn some things at the same time. Sure. Yeah, I think one of the things that that stands out to me about your story is that you have had different contexts and not only with your own ministry, but doing some stuff globally around the country and serving other different different people within youth ministry and everything. So this topic of contextualizing ministry, I think is incredibly important. And also, you know, with your role within curriculum writing and things like that, so before we jump into any of the the details, why is it so important to contextualize content like curriculum, books, conference workshops, different things like that? Why is contextualization so important, do you think? Well, I think it's really important to contextualize content because every context has a different set of felt needs and experiences. There's just not one outline that will work in every single environment. There are different people in the room. They have different needs. They have different intersections. You are a different person. Like even if you had a curriculum or a piece of content that worked in one context and you were in the same context, Mm. you're a different person giving that to, you know, your group, you know, at a different season of your life. So I feel like it, it's always ever changing. Like a curriculum should be because it's alive. Like if we believe that God's spirit is at the heart of our teaching, then we should also believe that that spirit is shaping the content that we're using. Um, and I don't mean that in a rigid way. I mean that in just an open-minded, like 
knowing that God gave you a mind and an understanding for your context. You're the closest one to it geographically. You're the closest one to it emotionally, socially. So you'll know if an illustration is going to work or if a game is just not going to be fit for the accessibility of your, your group's like needs or if an activity or an event is just not going to like hit with your community or maybe like upscaling it in a certain type of way would make it a huge success. So I think if you're a kids pastor or youth pastor, like your centeredness in the middle of your ministry will really turn your curriculum on. I think curriculum is like the vitamin and you know, you are the meal. I used to say, that that parents like when i was talking to parents like how they're the meal and youth ministry is the vitamin when it comes to like teaching resources the youth leader is definitely the meal the the place where the table is set and you kind of get to decide how it's set and what will really serve everyone best mm, that's a good way of putting it and and i think of also just the times where i have been in different contexts myself and and knowing that you know, something worked in one ministry in one state, but then I moved to a different state, different church, different culture, and I can't yeah. just do the exact same thing that I've done before. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so thinking about all of this, I, I, I thought it'd be fun to just, if you, if you don't mind, could you share a time where you didn't adapt something as well as you should have, or, and you just learned the hard way that, oh, wow, I, I should have adapted this instead of just kind of plug and play. Oh man, I have so many, <laughs> too many, like, like, I don't know, the bucket is full of opportunities to share, but let's see, which one would be the most embarrassing? Cause I think <laughs> it'll help the most people, right? <laughs> Okay, so there was a, a moment I had created a curriculum for a global youth like movement. It was called Just Water. And the whole idea around this, this whole like curriculum was to help teenagers see that they can help um, raise awareness about unsafe water without necessarily having to raise funds. I kind of wanted to decentralize fundraising and advocacy because I feel like when we put fundraising at the center of advocacy, you leave out a whole population of kids and that we do that unknowingly a lot of times. And so I kind of wanted to bring that gap together by just telling kids, hey, you can do something. So mm -hmm. what I told them they could do is they could drink water to raise awareness for the clean water that people still need in the world. You could talk about it all the time just by telling people I'm not drinking anything but water because there's a lot of kids that still need it and it keeps it on my mind, it keeps it on my heart. It, it creates a rhythm of prayer in my soul. It gives me a burden to bear. So yeah, so this was kind of the thing that I told people everywhere. It's like one curriculum. <laughs> well, mm -hmm. when I was in Mexico, I was I had an interpreter and a translator and I was doing my very best to contextualize things. And two things happened. I invited a group of about, I don't know, 600 teenagers to come with me on this journey, on this Just Water journey. And that didn't quite translate because they all got up and they came to the front. And so a metaphor in one culture might not like work. I, I didn't actually mean for them to walk with me somewhere, <laughs> even though that mistake was actually a very beautiful gesture and it turned into a beautiful thing. But it did show me that I need to like test my language and test the environment a little bit before I go into a bigger setting. 
The other thing that happened was inviting them to drink just water had serious consequences for them. Mm. For that particular place in those states in Mexico, water is more expensive to buy than Coke. There's a lot of reasons for that, but I wasn't particularly aware of those reasons when asking them to make this type of shift. Even for a week, that would have been a, a tremendous sacrifice on a, a teenager in that community where here, like where I live, water is much cheaper than soft drinks and milk and other things. So just like not knowing that, it, it wasn't a horrible thing, but it was something that I could have nuanced and said, there are a lot of ways you can do this. Here's one way that you can do this. Mm. But I, I kind of created a little bit of a problem by trying to help. <laughs> and I don't know, a lot of us have read the book, Helping Without Hurting. <laughs> mm. And I think sometimes our curriculum and our teaching, if we're not being curious about the people who are we're teaching or asking a lot of questions, and if we're making too many assumptions, we can kind of jump into some things that, you know, that wasn't a horrible, horrible thing, but in my heart it was just because I, sure. I presented them with kind of an impossible task. Yeah. If you're just a regular teenager who doesn't have any money as it is. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> So yeah, so that was just one moment where yeah. I could have adjusted things a little bit. Oh, that's that's good. And I think, you know, it definitely alludes to some simple things like you already you you mentioned, just doing your doing a little bit more homework, asking some more questions, trying to understand that culture just a little bit more. So with that in mind, how do we adapt content for our context? Like what are some of those things that, that we do have to keep in mind and, and ask ourselves or ask other people when we are trying to contextualize, whether it be a curriculum or something we learned at a, at a big workshop at a big church. And we're trying to think about, you know, our, our simple setting at a small rural church or whatever that is. What are some things to keep in mind when we're, when we're trying to adapt? Well, you said keep in mind. And I think that's an interesting phrase because mm. The older you get, the harder it is to keep anything in your mind. <laughs> you can definitely have a goal and a focus, but things begin to pile up and it becomes really easy to forget or to not exercise your values while you're working on making things or creating things for the groups that you serve. Mm. So something that I really recommend is having a strategy that includes curriculum that someone already kind of instilled values into. That's why I always like have got behind different types of curriculum and why I am a part of making one now is I've always wanted to have access to a curriculum that kind of does a bunch of this hard work for me so that at the end of the day, I can customize it mm. very practically to my group without having to do the big, big picture layer work, which is like the biblical literacy part, keeping, you know, Jesus and the Bible at the center of it, an ecumenical approach, like a inclusive approach. Is this, is what I'm using accessible? Is it creative? Is it fun? And I'm always looking for these things. So I think if you don't have a curriculum, you know, if you're making one or looking for one, before you do that, write down the values that you want to have and look for those or make those things. And I think that's a good starting point because it's hard to keep them all in mind every single day. Mm. So, so I want an excellent curriculum that values inclusivity, that it values fun and is customizable and understands that there are a lot of different types of people in the world and there's a lot of different evangelical perspectives in the world. And knowing all of that, I choose based on that. And so, for example, 
Grow curriculum is what I help create with Kenny and L. Campbell and a huge team over at Stuff You Can Use. But the reason why I'm a part of that is because I use it as well. And the thing that keeps me able to like keep this customizable contextualization thing in mind is knowing that it will be there and it will be ready for me when it's time to contextualize it. Mm-hmm. So I recommend having what you're going to use in advance. I recommend reading through it. I recommend giving yourself enough time to let it percolate and just sit with you because it's in with like when you're sitting with it, then you can see the faces of the kids and the teens Mm -hmm. that you're talking to. So I recommend visualizing them and their needs, their specific needs, not just developmentally, but for that week. I mean, is it graduation week? Is it, did someone's parent pass away? Is there, was there a shooting in your neighborhood? I mean, there was a shooting yesterday at Miami Beach, which we've been to many times, Hollywood Beach yesterday. If I'm talking to my kids, you know, I'm thinking about, okay, I'm going to teach this thing or do this activity. I'm going to want to sit for a minute and think about what they just processed today or what yeah. it what was possible for them to go through, whether it was school or they're on break or they're facing different challenges. Talk to your small group leaders, get a little bit of an idea. Like, how can I make this week or this month or this series or this event even more specific to the needs of our group. I guess I just wanted to say like maybe choose a a curriculum that has like values that you also hold so you don't have to keep all of it in mind when you're thinking about the day-to-day contextualization. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think because what what I hear you saying is make sure that whatever you're going to use does have those key things taken care of for you and you can trust it so that you can spend a lot of time learning your Mm -hmm. culture, planning ahead, getting to know the students there Mm -hmm. and thinking through it, reading through it, all those different things. Don't just assume that, oh, it's good curriculum. I can just, you know, flip out the script and read it, you Mm -hmm. know, on Sunday or Wednesday or whatever, but actually get a good curriculum that has a lot of great content so that you can spend the majority of your time adapting it to your situation. Yeah. And just like constantly asking questions about how your group is doing. I mean, in one-on-one conversations and parent conversations and volunteer conversations, I feel like youth pastors, youth leaders, youth volunteers, they should be like the most Mm -hmm. incredible spies, like the kind that are just Sherlock Holmes and every day, they're just like looking for clues, like uh, every day about what's going on and what's not going on and just empathizing all the time because when you bring that to your curriculum it just like brings it to life like that meal that you have prepared just is enhanced and the curriculum like gives it that extra bit of creativity that you didn't have the juice for because you were like thinking about your kids so much and wondering Mm -hmm. about their needs and it's like that creativity side the graphics the game that you played all of that can be stuff that someone else can do but the part you can't delegate is the part where you know who's walking in the room and who isn't who's missing yeah that's good that's good and i love what you said too about it sometimes it is hard to keep those things in mind so i would say you know what I hear you saying is all also write it down, <laughs> write things down as much as you can to, in order to keep focusing on those things. You learn something about a student or about your culture or whatever, take whatever notes you can in order to keep those things in front of you 
Are there any other tips that come to mind as, as things that you've learned over the years in order to continue to ask the right questions, keep it in front of you, things like that that help you contextualize? I think testing things is always a good idea. Even like if you're thinking about using a certain illustration or something like mm -hmm. that, like test it with some kids that you know, like talk about it a few times. Like, <laughs> I don't know, with kids that are safe. Like I use my own daughters. They're at an age where I can just test things out with them and they'll tell me like immediately what they think about it. The raw critique of a teenager in your home mm -hmm. is not something that I like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's definitely beneficial and helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, get yourself around some people who aren't afraid to tell you the truth. I would say get involved with a team. If you're not involved with like an athletic team or a club at a school that is connected to your ministry, you should be because that's where you find some of the crisis because something that happens on school teams is you have to be eligible. So you find out about grades. Mm. You have to be able to make it to practices and games. So you find out about who has a ride and who doesn't. You notice tensions between kids. You find out when someone's suspended or whatever happened, you know, if you volunteer for a team, you start to see what kids are really walking with and carrying home after school. And that three hour period between you know school and youth group doesn't exist because you're at practice too. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, like the way to contextualize is to be in the context more mm -hmm. often and just to be proximate, like to be in it, to be like a person, a player in it, not just a, a observer. That's really good because I think I've definitely experienced that as well. And, and your story about like testing things makes me think back. I've done some of that usually with the leadership team because we don't have kids in our own home, but leadership students that I'm with closest with all bounce ideas off of them a lot. But it also reminded me of a story of one of our leaders who is also a mom and she had a teenage girl in her house and she was going to speak for us. And she told me, she's like, I've had like five or six different illustrations that I want to use, but my teenage daughter keeps telling me all of them are bad. <laughs> Don't use any of them. And so <laughs> it was, but it was so helpful for her. Like it was frustrating, but because <laughs> she kept getting told mm -hmm. no, but it also helped her to be able to connect with those students eventually because she finally did mm -hmm. land on something that really did connect with her own daughter. And she knew that was going to connect with more students as well. Something I do when I find my kids are saying none of this is good, because like that's just sometimes the day in the life. Mm -hmm. But I think something I forget to do, but I want to do more is when they say, I don't like that. I always try to ask them, what do you think would work? Mm. And when they start thinking about it, sometimes their ideas are like really incredible. Other times it's like, wow, they really... <laughs> <laughs> They, they, they don't, they just don't want me to do this idea. They don't want me to do, <laughs> say this thing. But a lot of times, even if their idea is maybe a little idealistic or maybe like self-centered in a way, because like my girls will come up with a lot of ideas that really relate to their girl world, you know? Mm. But if you look at the kernel of truth in it or like the need they're expressing, you often can find like the replacement that you need through that. So it's kind of like just getting the mood and the tone, right? Versus like getting the the exact, you know, <laughs> it's like Legos. I'm trying to think of a metaphor that works. Like you have a whole bunch of them and they all can work, but I don't know. Sometimes they just don't look the best or 
function well without, you know, a little bit of restructuring. So I would say get some teenagers involved in the restructuring of some things and you'll find new pathways and some new ideas and it won't be as discouraging. If you just say, do you like this or don't, like they're going to be like, yes or no. But if you say, what would you do? Or like, what do you think would be helpful? Or if you imagined like a scenario, what would it look like? And just give them a little bit of a chance. Um, But if they're not talking to you or not willing, you know, obviously (laughs) you might have to call you pastor friend and work it out with them. (laughs) I think that's huge. You know, saying to contextualize, well, you got to be in their context. And I think also Mm -hmm. giving them an opportunity, like you said, to speak into that as much as they're willing and able to do that, making sure that you're really connecting with them on a regular basis and, and giving them an opportunity to speak into that. Because this is their peers that you're trying to reach. You're trying to help them to disciple their peers and to reach out to their peers more. And so as much as you can get connected with them and have them have a say in it as well, I think that's I think that's huge. And like you said, not all their ideas are going to be, you know, <laughs> home runs, but listen to what you can and get everything you can from that. That's really, really good. Yeah. And just give yourself grace. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes things I, I think you should do diligence. I think you should work to contextualize things to the best of your ability. But I mean, we're also not having this conversation about how we're all in process and Mm -hmm. like the process of restoration is still happening in us. And so there might be moments where we just aren't getting it right. And I think that even in those moments, our contextualization opportunity is to ask forgiveness or to say, hey, I don't know if I got this right and model what it looks like to be attuned to everyone's needs, knowing I didn't get this part right. And and instead of feeling shameful, feel empowered to model something else. And I think, I think for me, I was always so caught up in getting it right because I was already feeling so out of place as a female early in ministry when there weren't very many people like me. I always just wanted to get it right. And if I didn't, it just felt like I had missed it so badly. Um, But now I'm getting it wrong so often as a volunteer when you're like working full time. I'm a mom full time. I coach volleyball, beach volleyball, cross country. We coach teams all the time. We're doing stuff seven days a week and leading a church and doing all this stuff. And so it's like at the end of the day, there's a part of me that has to be very open and vulnerable about the time I didn't get to spend contextualizing something. Mm. And it's my intention. It's what I want to do. But if I miss on it, I'm going to have to say it. And I think that has helped me grow too. Mm. And it's helped the teens around me grow. They see me as a human being and someone who also is working through things. And I think that is a ministry too. I don't think you should abuse it in any way. Like, oh yeah, we all make mistakes. We're all mess up. <laughs> yeah. And just use that as a pass like every at every turn. I don't think that we should do that. I just think it's good to remember that we're human and... There are moments when we think we got it and we don't. And then there are moments when we don't think we have it and we end up contextualizing because we we did. Hmm. We knew. And it was like in our heart to know it or in our experience to know it or just the Holy Spirit working in us to know it. So there's a little bit here that's like not possible to work out like always in advance. <laughs> sure. I think that, that encouragement is huge because 
a lot of us do. I mean, hopefully we're improving upon it as much as we mm-hmm. can and continuing to move in the right direction. But it is, it's really important for us to remember, you know, give ourselves grace. You know, Jesus is offered to it to us, but for some reason, a lot of times we don't want to accept it ourselves. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's some really good encouragement today. You know, keep, keep working on those things, but also to, to make sure that we give ourselves grace when we don't quite get it as well. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I would love for people to connect with you more if they have qu- further questions or want to check out your books or any of the other things that that you're doing. Where is the best place for people to find you online to connect with you further? I would just message me on Instagram. I don't really keep my website up to date as much as I, I could. I kind of took a little break from public speaking and travel, decided to do that. In 2019, I started saying no to all requests in 2019 so that 2020 would be open for my family. And Mm. then 2020 did its own thing. (laughs) So I was like, I made the decision a year before the pandemic did. So I've kind of been just, you know, working on being the things I've wanted to be for teenagers to my own kids. Mm. So as far as like speaking and things like that, it's rare that I'll accept an invite at this point. I've got a couple more years left with my daughter before she graduates and a few more left with my my youngest. So in terms of that stuff, like if you want to chat about some future things, I can, but it's not usually like in my rhythm to do that at the moment. But you can find all the stuff I work on over at Stuff You Can Use and Grow Curriculum. I dedicate most of my time to making things there. And if you want to like check out our church at Somos Church on Instagram or, you know, chime in. My husband does most of the preaching there now and has always, I contribute occasionally. (laughs) But yeah, at Brooklyn Lindsay, Brooklyn's my first name, Lindsay's my last name. You can DM me anytime. I think one of the most important parts of my fulfillment as a human being has been to walk with other youth leaders in student ministry through mentoring relationships and conversations. So for me, it's the one-on-one conversation that I truly love. And Mm -hmm. I want to add value to the the community still um, until I can get back out there and (laughs) do some other things. I don't know if I even will get back out there. I think Mm -hmm. for me, kind of creating behind the scenes content is for me, the most effective and expansive like way that I can reach out right now. So yeah, that's what I do. And yeah, if you want to even chat in our community, we have a Facebook community. It's called Stuff You Can Use, the youth ministry community. And then we have the kids one as well. And it's just like, you know, a whole bunch of people who help each other all the time. So if you need practical help for contextualizing something, there's thousands of you who want to help each other. Just find a good community to join and you will have encouragement, I guarantee it. And I know you do a lot with nonprofits and supporting things like helping children and the human trafficking and injustices and things like that with your books, bookstore, all that sort of thing. Could you tell us a little more about that? Yes, yes, yes. The bookstore that I started, crashbooks.org, it is something I thought of during the pandemic and wanted to create a space where when I sell books, local like kids are supported child literacy advocacy anti-injustice anything like i wanted to create some energy around that the one way i do it is like i have an online bookstore and 
those proceeds are profit shared with all other independent booksellers that are in the community that I'm connected to. So there's that profit share that helps people who are trying to do work like I'm doing. But then the, the other part of it, the nonprofit part of it, we haven't quite transitioned to that yet because the store that I opened isn't really making profit yet. <laughs> so once we get to that point, that's the goal. All of my work that I do that benefits kids and their freedom, I should say, there's a lot of injustices that kids face. A, a lot of the work, like 90% of the work I do is through our local church, Somos Church. So when I when people want to know how do I give, how do I support, I always ask them to give to Somos because most of our budget is missions budget that we use in neighborhood schools that are Title I schools. I really, really believe that youth ministry is missing a big part of itself if we're not paying attention to our neighborhood local schools that in many, many cases are really struggling to support the kids that are there and the needs that they have. My kids go to those Title I schools. We didn't take them out and put them in private schools. Nothing against private schools. Those are incredible too. But like, if you're looking for a place to give and to serve, look at your neighborhood school and wonder about why they're Title I and wonder about why they don't have a PTA or why they don't have a booster club or why they don't have a whole bunch of things. Mm. I feel like giving to a church that gives to those types of things that that builds the flourishing community is like everything. And my whole youth ministry philosophy has shifted toward that perspective. Well, Brooklyn, I know you really do have so many things that you're doing to benefit the kingdom, <laughs> to benefit the next generation, to set a good example for other youth leaders out there. And just thank you so much for all you've done, all you're going to do, and may God bless your ministry. Thank you, Steve, for having me today. I really appreciate everything you said, and I appreciate this community. I hope that they'll continue giving their unique abilities to the youth ministry community, because without them, youth ministry wouldn't exist. So thanks to everybody out there listening. And thank you all so much for being here for this episode. If you enjoyed what you heard from Brooklyn, please reach out to her on Instagram, but also consider sharing this episode with someone else you think would enjoy it. Sharing this podcast really does help us continue to put out great content for you and have amazing guests like Brooklyn. So if you want to see this continue, please share it with a friend in student ministry. Also, if you enjoy this podcast and feel led to support my ministry through National Network of Youth Ministries, you can follow the link in the show notes. As I said back in episode 105, I am so blessed to do what I do through this podcast, but also supporting other youth leaders, uniting the church, and reaching teenagers for Jesus through National Network of Youth Ministries. And I could not do that without God, of course, but also without your partnerships. So thank you so much in advance for your prayers and your financial support. Another way you can support this ministry is through our sponsor and our partners. First, thank you so much G Shades for sponsoring. Check out their website at gshades.org and use that promo code CONNECTION to save $20 off your order. And while you're there, be sure to check out their blog and the upcoming book from G Shades founder, Mike Haynes. And if you're a fan of the Cards Christians-like card game like I am, you'll be excited to know that they're about to launch a brand new game called Holy Guacamole. And if you make a purchase using the link in our show notes, you'll be supporting the ministry of this podcast. We're going to be back in a couple weeks with another episode, but until then, be sure to stay connected and may God bless your ministry. <laughs>